What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. This might be a shorter podcast today. I do not know. Um, I, I already have just roughly half-hour-long podcasts anyway, so this really depends on uh, your definition of short. But regardless, um, this is just going to be addressing some of the things I've seen uh, so far. And um, a lot of those things have stemmed from the Nuggets in action um, from both the trade deadline and the buyout market. Which, as if you've been listening to this podcast or read my writing, this has been projected from since last year. Okay, um, uh, the Nuggets, uh, and by last year I mean tw- the off season twenty twenty three. The Nuggets uh, locked themselves into the position they're in right now um, due to decisions they made in the off season. They really limited their own flexibility by several key decisions they made. Um, I have quibbles with the Nuggets' approach to this year. Uh, if you, anyone's listening to this uh, podcast since the offseason in June, you'll know that I have had serious issues with the Nuggets approach, the, the, the investment, all, the overinvestment in old rookies, um, the presumption that this will uh, sustain them, sustainability and all that stuff, which I think is a misnomer in a league where your window ends with an injury. Uh, all of this stuff kind of kind of uh, plays into my thinking on this. The Nuggets are going against all available evidence of how to build a dynasty because even the Spurs didn't do this. The Spurs were not a let's get a bunch of youth thing because the only real time they did it was in 2003, well, earlier than that, when they had a couple of draft picks they hit on when they still had David Robinson and uh, uh, and uh, Tim Duncan on the roster. Um, and in 2012, I think, or 2011, when they drafted uh, Kawhi Leonard, um, when the Spurs were on the downside of the Duncan era, um, and those are two things that where they where they had draft picks where they were you know trying to supplement what they got, and they turned out that they hit it out of the park in both situations, but both of them were completely different scenarios. The Nuggets have just won their first title, and you generally don't see an investment in youth right off the first title. You do not necessarily see that sort of thing. Um, the Spurs model is unique to the Spurs. There's a lot of circumstances, as I've said for years on this podcast, there's circumstances that made the Spurs the Spurs. And one of those was uh, drafting a once-in-a-lifetime player when you already had a once-in-a-lifetime player on your roster in 1997. Uh, which really set the Spurs up for the next 20 years. It, it's in, you cannot replicate that. It's, it's unreplicatable. Um, and that really was the model and the template for what have became the Spurs. You notice no other team has been able to do this uh, because most teams are set up for a dynasty window, which is, um, I mean, look at the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they really began their dynasty in 2015-16, and it basically ended in 2019. There was the one-off title in 2022, which you could say there was special circumstances for that. Um, but really, it was that window from 2015 to 2019 uh, where they w- went to the finals every year. Uh, and of course, then they benefited from the cap spike and got Kevin Durant, which made them a super team. But there are circumstances for each of these things. The Nuggets' decision to go the way they did, as I've been explaining since the offseason, is unusual. 
um, the Nuggets' approach to this this way, the approach to um, the offseason is very, very, very unusual. It's not it's not what you see um, usually in the NBA because these windows are fleeting, and that's the way things should be looked at. Um, so I've gone over many, many, many times in either on this podcast or in writing my quibbles with the fact that the Nuggets are going in on old rookies. And, you know, my line, old rookies are still rookies. But I kind of want to talk about the machinations and the things that the Nuggets did that kind of locked them into what they're doing. And time will tell whether this is going to be proven right or not. If the Nuggets make another finals run, Jeff is going to look like an idiot. If the Nuggets flame out in the playoffs early, then we're going to be have to see, have serious discussions about what the direction the Nuggets took this year. Because let's keep in mind, Denver is still, even with Nikola Jokic on the roster, not a free agent destination. Okay, So... You have to take that into mind because even the Spurs, when they were in their dynasty era or quote unquote dynasty era, which really went from 2003 to 2007, that was the peak Duncan era dynasty. During that time, the Spurs were generally not a place for high, and they weren't for high dollar free agents. They would get ring chasers coming through. And the ring chasers were actually the ones that sustained those Spurs teams, okay? And this is where the line of demarcation ends between the Nuggets and the Spurs and the Spurs model and what they want to do. The ring chaser approach, regardless of how you think it's valid or not, is is part of the NBA. In the Nuggets, it is very unusual that the Nuggets don't have any ring chasing veterans on the on a team that just won a title. It's very strange. Um, this is something that you really do not see. And this is something that really goes against most NBA history. Okay. Because usually you get, even the Milwaukee Bucks have had guys who just come drifted through who were looking for, looking for titles. Uh, and Milwaukee is a significantly smaller market than Denver. Um, it is a, it is a collision of, of interesting circumstances that I think the Nuggets, I'm hoping, okay, people think I'm a pessimist, but I'm hoping that the Nuggets didn't stub their toe with, with going the direction they're going. Um, let's talk about the first mistake, and then in the second half I'll talk about what I think is the biggest mistake, and it's something I mentioned at the time, but I will reiterate for the purposes of this podcast. Um, they have two second-round picks this year, Jalen Pickett, and Hunter Tyson, um, who they decided to give guaranteed deals to. And I said at the time that was unusual. You do not see second-round picks generally get guaranteed deals. Now, the the guaranteed deal does a couple things. Well, first of all, it makes a contract probably a little more tradable. You're not trying to trade someone on a non-guaranteed deal, and you're not trying to trade someone for who's on a two-way deal, okay? Because which I think think there's some restrictions on what you could do with a two-way player. I'm bringing this up because the Nuggets did not have to sign Jalen Pickett and Hunter Tyson to guaranteed deals. What it does is not only does you is the money guaranteed, but the roster spot is taken up because you have a guaranteed deal. Okay, you can't you can't say that this this is this person is this person is guaranteed a roster spot because they have guaranteed money. Okay, that's the way the NBA works. So essentially, there are two roster spots on the Nuggets right now that are going to people who do not play. 
and in fact play a majority of their time either in the G League or or are sitting at the end of an end of the bench along with Colin Gillespie and those guys that are on the two-way contracts and stuff like that. It was very unusual for the Nuggets to invest that much into guys who will not end up not playing in a year that you need to invest in getting into a second into a title run. This scenario play is playing out as the further we get into the season, as uh, the Nuggets will inevitably end up relying on their veterans, plus Peyton Watson and Christian Brown. And once you get into the the the, the crunch of the season, there's just there's just no flexibility on the roster because they have two roster spots with guaranteed deals who don't play. You have no tape on, and you couldn't deal if you tried. So essentially, it's just a two two roster spots and a fifteen per, fifteen slot uh, roster that that are, are zeros, and it it is it is unusual to have that kind of scenario where you have two guaranteed contracts where there's just like there's nothing there, you aren't getting any production out of them, and obviously uh, Tyson spent a lot of time in the G League and 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 so was Pickett. The Nuggets attempted to play both earlier than year and it didn't go well. And uh, in order for them to develop, they got to play. Inevitably, that ends up le- leading to G League stuff and all that. And, you know, you get various scenarios that play out like that. Um, but this is not a, these are not priority rookies. These are second round picks that were given direct, you know, guaranteed contracts to. And then they are just occupying spots on the roster and they, they aren't playing. Um, now you say, Jeff. Inevitably, rotations are at the most are 10, 10 people, which is true, um, particularly in the regular season. You don't see, you know, anything beyond if you're if you're playing more than 10 people in a rotation, you are generally in trouble. But this is suiting. This is the, the scenario I'm bringing up is per, is is part and parcel to roster um, flexibility and the Nuggets locked themselves into it in this way to start okay this is this is this is the move number one where the nuggets kind of cast their lot for what this roster was going to look at in the like in the offseason they determined exactly what they were going to be doing and the first latch of the lock was these two contracts I don't know what these guys will turn into. I've, we have no data on them. Um, Pickett tried to play backup point guard for a while. It didn't go well. Uh, Hunter Tyson came out and really didn't stand out with anything. Actually, for several games, couldn't hit a shot. Um, and in the games that he was in, and then, of course, they haven't seen the court since. Um, and within that that scenario, you don't have a lot of flexibility, and they aren't able to prove themselves. They aren't able to even boost their trade value. Um, and so this is just kind of dead spots on a roster, um, which happens to a lot of teams, but rarely do you see, uh, a championship hopeful team go this direction because there's another way to look at both of those contracts in that the nuggets, it was always going to be developmental and the nuggets are committed to this approach long-term, which carries both good and bad as i've said before in writing um when you invest this much in in rookies and youth you flatten your curve because regardless of the age of your rookie 
regardless of the age of your second player, your second year player, you are 100%, 100% flattening your curve because they need development. All rookies need development. All rookies need to progress from where they were. And you saw with Peyton Watson when they played um, Sacramento. I got some pushback on this from some individuals on Twitter about Watson and his his bona fides and how maybe I'm over over emphasizing the Sacramento game. But here's the thing. Peyton Watson was fresh, probably one of the more fresh players coming into that game. The Nuggets had a starting lineup with uh, Justin Holiday and Peyton Watson. Boy, the, the, the Kings did not, did not respect any sort of element of offense in that. Peyton Watson is a defensive player. He's a, he's a, he is a guy who they hope could be a good defensive player, but if you can't play offense, if you can't, particularly in a starting lineup, if you can't exploit that, that sort of way, you aren't, you just, it, in, in the modern NBA, it's kind of a wash. And, um, the, the age of specialty and the age of needing and being only a defensive player is probably passing us now due to the new rules in the NBA. Peyton Watson aside, this is what the Nuggets did. This is their approach. This is what they wanted to do. Did they, they established this from the moment the draft occurred when they drafted that many players uh, and they cast their lot with youth. They cast their lot with old rookies. And in the second part of the half of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about one more decision which low-key may have been the most consequential one of the offseason and might have been the one that made the Nuggets inflexible at the trade deadline. We'll talk about that right after the break. Signing Reggie Jackson to the taxpayer mid-level exception was uh, confusing to me at the time, confusing to a lot of different people at the time. Uh, There were circumstances that led to that that I will speculate on. In this podcast, I don't know would beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I'm relatively certain is the case. And whether that that decision, coupled with the investing in two contracts for uh, uh, Hunter Tyson and Jalen Pickett, two players who are rookies and are not playing, is was the right move for this particular team with with a, a championship aspirations. Um, Reggie Jackson's a fine player. Um, he is a good backup, uh, and it's what he's doing on this roster. The problem is with the Nuggets knowing what their salary situation would be coming into the year and knowing that they were going to lose Bruce Brown. Everyone, everyone knew they were going to lose Bruce Brown. There was no way they were going to retain him. There was going to be a team that was going to offer him a lot. Now, no one thought that the Indiana Pacers would offer him like $40 million for two years, but uh, it was going to be out of the Nuggets' price range inevitably, and he was always going to be gone. So the the Nuggets, knowing that, and knowing that Jeff Green was probably not going to be on the roster anymore, made the choice to make an interesting approach. Uh, Reggie Jackson came to the Nuggets in the black buyout market in uh, at the trade deadline last year, and he didn't exactly acquit himself very well. But it's really as I've as I've pointed out to everyone under the sun, buyout deals rarely really affect the team. Um, 
it's a rare occasion where there's a guy who's an essential contributor, but it's, 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 as I pointed out, it's rare. It's, it doesn't happen that often. And one of the reasons these things don't, these things don't work is because you need time to gel. You know, as I, uh, you know, I've said it many times, you, you, you need cohesion on a roster for it to be a championship roster. And you need your core players playing together that long. And then everything else kind of just slots in. The thing about Reggie Jackson, though, was then obviously Calvin Booth, and this was very much a Calvin Booth move. Calvin obviously thought, knew, was probably thinking ahead to the way the roster would have some atrophy coming into this particular season. His mistake was giving him the taxpayer mid-level exception. And this is where we are coming into some real difficulty for where the Nuggets are at right now. Using the taxpayer mid-level exception essentially hard-capped the Nuggets. There's a lot of things they can't do because they use that exception. Once you use a taxpayer mid-level, you you become effectively hard-capped. It's it's just written into the, the CBA. So a lot of the things that Nuggets could do is gone. And and you can sign your own players. But signing the two rookies to guaranteed deals, coupled with the taxpayer mid-level, essentially left the Nuggets in this we-are-who-we-are scenario coming into this year. There was, they have no flexibility. Now, there were reports coming out that they were looking around and at trade market and blah, blah, blah. I don't know how serious the Nuggets were looking at because the Nuggets locked themselves into this coming into the year. Then what the Nuggets could do, they would have to trade one of their core guys, essentially, in order to make a deal. And the Nuggets were never going to do that. They've got, they have their starting five. And in that spirit, having that starting five means the Nuggets are... You know, with the salary commitment like that, the Nuggets don't have a lot of options. The Nuggets, rather than going the free agent um, or trying to go the free agent uh, ring chaser kind of minimum salary thing that, say, the Phoenix Suns are doing, and most uh, championship teams, regardless, have like those guys. The Nuggets invested in uh, Reggie Jackson, and you know DeAndre Jordan signed another vet minimum contract. And there are contracts on the back end of the roster that are, that are, I, I don't know how friendly they are to the Nuggets this year. I come back to the quotes that Calvin Booth made about, about, and people have disputed this, but this is 100% true. The implication of the Calvin Booth's arguments were, we are more concerned about sustainability. In fact, in, in at media day, he used the word sustainability, being able to sustain this championship. And he used the Spurs model, which once again, the Spurs are the Spurs. The way the Spurs did it back then is not necessarily replicable. Okay. Um, you have uh, Nikola Jokic hitting his uh, championship window in his, what was it? His seventh year. Folks, these windows go by really fast. So the Nuggets this year are in this weird position, very bizarre position, of being a good team that's not a great team. I should say championship team that's not as good. 
And in an increasingly competitive Western Conference, with all the teams that have risen up in the standings, the Nuggets' margin for error is nothing. Absolutely nothing. They do not have any margin for error. The Nuggets' approach to this year meant that they had were counting heavily on some of these rookies. Julian Strother was another one, and Strother's either been injured or not in the lineup. He has gotten in. He was part of the lineup before he got injured. He wasn't playing that well, and then he's out again. There are there have been these decisions that were made that have locked the Nuggets, and, and people need to understand this. This doesn't mean they can't be it better in this next offseason. All right, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that decisions made coming into this year meant that the Nuggets were sticking with this roster. As is. And your view of this roster and the way they play and all of that is going to affect how you think their championship odds are for this year. I happen to think that the Nuggets weren't concerned about winning the title this year. It wasn't their first priority. The Nuggets' first priority was establishing this old rookies thing that they're doing. And that is why the Kevin O'Connor interview with Calvin Booth matters. What's why the Denver Gazette interview with Calvin Booth matters. It's why the, uh, the uh, media day quotes that Calvin Booth and Josh Kroenke had matter. Their words mattered. And if you read between the lines, the Nuggets were saying, well, what happens, happens. We're not, we're this, our priority is doing this in this model. We have invested in this model of old rookies and the lock for the old rookie approach was in giving the taxpayer mid-level to Reggie Jackson. It was the move that, that basically put the seal on top of what the nuggets were going to do this year. They established that that was it. And now we see. I don't know how this will work. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I am I am as uncertain about this Nuggets team as I have been in a while. Um, I think Jokic has had to do a lot of heavy lifting. Jamal being out obviously has affected this team. Jamal's injury earlier in the year uh, when Reggie Jackson had to do starting point guard, and he did good for good good for a while. And then you saw once he moved to the the, the bench unit again, he's been. Typical Reggie Jackson, okay? So I am, I sound pessimistic. I I guess in a sense, I, I feel like I'm being more realistic than pessimistic. The realistic part of me is saying that the Nuggets don't get frustrated at the, what the Nuggets aren't doing because they told you they wouldn't be doing anything to begin with. Uh, as far as move, making roster moves in, in the middle of the year. They told us that from the beginning. Now, I think that they will have enough information to adjust coming into the next year. Uh, this isn't terminal. Whatever they choose, and it obviously is going to be affected by the way that any run they try to make in the playoffs. Um, the Nuggets have, once again, said with a very loud voice through their actions and some of their public comments going back to the offseason, that this is what they were going to do. They were committed to this, 
And obviously they're going to sink or swim on Jokic's ability to lift the team. I don't know necessarily, I mean, Jokic is playing once again at an MVP level, but as you saw in 2022, I don't know how far that goes. Jamal will be here and Mike will be here. We've seen what they can do in the playoffs. So the fingers crossed element is that the Nuggets don't need the one number one seed potentially in order to get to a point to where they are at the level they were at last year. They did not quote unquote, improve their roster coming into this year. The gambit was that the starting unit was so good that losing Bruce Brown particularly um, wasn't going to be something that would uh, be terminal to this team and its championship aspirations. But if they don't, if they fall short, I don't think the Nuggets are dissuaded or discouraged from their approach. But through this year, they will have they will have enough information to see where this goes. I have been in, accused many times of being an Eeyore when it comes to this Nuggets team. And they won a title last year. My my issue is not is not that they aren't good enough. My issue was that I don't think they took into consideration other teams getting better. And I don't think they took into consideration what the effect of losing Bruce Brown would do to them in the long run through the course of the year. The bench is still terrible. People keep saying to me, though, the bench is terrible last year. It was terrible this year. That's not the point. (laughs) That's not the point. The Nuggets don't have any flexibility. They couldn't change the roster if they could, if they wanted to. I mean, last year, the Nuggets had more flexibility. Uh, they were able to sign Reggie Jackson off the, off the trade market. They were able to trade uh, bones. They, they, they did some things to, to adjust their roster with the decisions they made in the off season this year. The Nuggets were like, we're going to ride or die with what we got. And your view of what they've got, quote unquote, is going to affect how you think they are going to do in the playoffs very specifically. They have a great starting lineup. I think think they should do well, but I don't think anyone can look at this season and say that they are as good as last year. They're almost as good, but they're not as good, and a lot of teams are better in the Western Conference this year very particularly the Clippers. And if you don't think that matters, you aren't looking. Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast. I'm going to be back on Friday with another episode.